0: Alpine Touch has got you covered. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice.
2: Now from the Kurtz Polaris studio. Here is Ryan
1: Tutel and Coulter Nijuanez. Welcome back, boys and girls. It's Tutel Nuanes, 1029 ESPN Radio. For the first time in the history of this show, we are on time and everybody else is late. That's what I'm talking about. That's how we do it. I'm feeling very good about myself. You see, Tommy, this is why we don't trust you. If We're... you missed anything in the first hour, you can get it on the podcast. The Tutel Nuanes podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. You can listen anytime you would like. That's the beauty of a Dagnab podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe, and get us at your leisure. The podcast is available thanks to uh, Alpine Touch and Blackfoot. If you would like to call, 361-3688 is the phone number. All guests join us via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. And if you would like to listen live, you can do that on the website as well, 1029ESPN.com, 1029ESPN.com. The stream is available all the time, live, for you, including this show when it's on stream there. Thanks to Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Uh, Coach Cobb is going to be joining us as part of the ESPN roundtable here in just a couple of minutes, so we'll get to him when we are able to. What were you going to say?
0: Uh, just a couple uh, different public service announcements okay. for the good of the order. As I briefly mentioned earlier, the NEC has canceled fall sports. So that's the sixth FCS conference that will not play in the fall. They do have an automatic bid to the FCS playoffs. Yeah. Uh, As projected, um, when Kevin Thompson graduated, transferred from Sacramento State, I said that I thought that it would be almost certain that Troy Taylor would go find himself someone that had familiarity with his system that was a top-level quarterback, and Sac State's head coach did exactly that. For those that don't know Troy Taylor's story, Troy Taylor played in the NFL. He played Cal. He played in the NFL, and then he worked in the private sector while also serving as the Cal color analysis and, and analyst uh, during the '90s. In 2000, he returned to the coaching ranks, and he was at Folsom High School. For those that don't follow national high school football, Folsom High School was the most prolific and dominant offensive high school football team in the United States of America. Dan O'Graves, while he was at Folsom High School, set multiple national records and was the Max Preps National Player of the Year before going on a, an odyssey that led, to, led him to several different schools, finally finished up at Cal Poly. Then he was followed by Jake Browning. And anybody that followed Jake Browning's high school career, one of the most prolific careers in the history of high school football, 204 touchdowns through a ridiculous 93 touchdowns his senior year playing in Troy Taylor's offense. Yeah, I thought Folsom High School is right in the Sacramento area. They were always so good that Sac State couldn't really recruit their guys because their guys were just going to the Pac-12. Right. Well, Ch- Troy Taylor's now started recruiting Folsom guys. Today, he landed Caden Bennett. Caden Bennett was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. He spent the last several years at Nevada. He hasn't been able to win the job. He had some injury stuff, but he's going to Sac State. So that's an impactful thing. And then on the local note anybody looking for something to do on Saturday night, All Nations Health Center will be mm. co-hosting with the Missoula Paddleheads uh, their second annual Indigenous People's Celebration. And this is going to be a cool deal where they're going to have a little uh, 5K fun, call it walk. I mean, I guess you can jog if you want, but just a little exercise, get outside the stadium, inside you the stadium. Why would you want to jog
1: when you can walk? Whatever, That's yeah.
0: I mean, so advice. it'll be, you can do the 5K like around the stadium, in the stadium, whatever social yeah. distance things happening everywhere. And then this is actually going to be Super cool. Uh, I'm definitely going to be down here to check this out. Uh, the N8BZ Missoula's Got Talent, which is going to be a, basically an indigenous oh people's talent show. So you're okay. going to have some drummers and some singers and some dancers, and I'm sure you're going to have all the varieties of, of Native American dancing. Super, super cool. If you need something to do with your family, go check it out because It's free. Oh, it's great. Really? Free. 7.30. Gates are open. Tickets to the talent show are free. And I guarantee you, it's going to be a fun night. So go check it out. All Nations Health Center is doing great things around the city of Missoula. Uh, Big sponsor of everything at Missoula Broadcasting Company. It's a nonprofit healthcare place. You don't have to be uh, a Native American to go there. So if you ever need anything, if you ever have just something you need to stop in, they have psychological help, they have standard medical care. They have dentist stuff, everything. So it's a great place. Great. Uh, and this will be a great event that they're hosting in, uh, in partnership with the Missoula Paddleheads.
1: Changing the name to All Nations is, uh, is apropos because it's 100% true. It, it's, it's, no doubt. Absolutely, All Nations. Uh, I do, I want to just say, I think this is worth pointing out, Golter. but, um, you know, Mr. Davis and, and, and his wife who bought the then Osprey and, and now Paddleheads what, like a year and a half, two years ago. Uh, obviously have been befallen on some of the hardest luck in terms of having an enterprise that you were you know, excited about and working hard to, 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 to make successful and make it kind of your own that you could possibly have. Everybody's kind of going through this, but for some people it's worth it worse than others when you talk about the timing and how this whole thing all came together. But i got to give uh, them and all the folks who are down there with the paddleheads just a ton of credit for... Being very creative in using the space and the facility that they have in the baseball park, which actually has a tremendous value in this particular moment of being large enough to allow groups of people to gather at a distance doing things like the dinners, the movie nights on Thursday nights. They got the trivia things going on, the brew fests I know are happening, and now this Indigenous Peoples Night on on Saturday night. Uh, I... Listen they're 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 taking lemons and trying to make as much lemonade as they possibly can proverbially and uh, and a tip of the cap to them because it would be be pretty easy to just be uh, Pretty sour about the way that this is all gone. And by the way, it's not just the COVID stuff, it's the, the minor league baseball stuff and everything else. So, you know, tip of the cap to them. And if, uh, you know, if it suits you, if you got something to go have fun, check out what they got going on because it's a cool menu of items. They, I mean, they have the all summer. the
0: stuff that's going on pretty much every night. They have great yeah. trivia nights going on, but. Uh, the Thursday Night Movie Nights have been a big hit. Last week, they showed Space Jam. Heard that was well-attended. But this one will be really cool one as well this Thursday. Stop Making Sense, the documentary, all about one of the craziest men in all of show business, David Byrne and the Talking Heads. So... Uh, That's a good one, too. Events for your family. I think that's a pretty good way to do it.
1: It is Tutel Nuanes. It is 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and it is time for our ESPN Roundtable. It is presented by Paradise Falls. We go to the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. We welcome in the Associate Head Coach of the University of Montana men's basketball team, Chris Cobb, back to the show. Coach, we appreciate you getting over here. We know that you were hard on the recruiting trail, which is also known, if I'm understanding it correctly, as sitting on your couch looking at a computer screen. So, Congratulations on that. We appreciate your uh, you making the time here, and I know it's funny. Even though the grind has stopped, you know, in terms of geography, it continues every day, right?
2: You guys, uh, you guys might get me in trouble here. Cause I had to jump off that Zoom, but it's a uh, it is a wild, wild uh, world right now with this stuff. And in some ways, it 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 helps you realize how inefficient we were in the past, right? We're flying everywhere and doing uh, crazy things where we could just sit on the couch and, and have a conversation so in, in some ways it's helped uh, the budget but uh no it's it's crazy but it's good to hear from you guys and, uh yeah hopefully uh hopefully it gives me a sense i'm watching baseball and then i get to hear you guys and so i'm like okay well there's some normalcy in the world that's right
1: that's right the normalcy of this show is a barometer for how bonkers 2020 <laughs> is i can tell you that
2: uh, yeah that it just gives me a little bit hearing your voice gives me a uh, it makes me feel good, so <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll stick
1: with that. Oh, mark it, mark it down, Reese. Yeah. That's
0: the first time anybody's ever called to tell normal. Yeah.
2: yeah,
1: that's right. Um, <laughs> I want to ask you about this very thing, though. That this, this, like recruiting via Zoom, right? Because there, there is obviously something and something important to being able to sit in a room with a recruit with you know his parents whoever it might be people that are close to him meeting them talking to them interacting saying oh man I I love this flavor of ice cream, too, or whatever it is. And now, you know, you have the efficiency of being able to kind of – maybe you can hit a bunch of different states in the same day, which you never could before, but also something's something is lost. What if What is the experience now of doing this right now, the way that you're doing
2: it? Uh, you know, I think uh, in some ways initially we didn't have any idea, right? Like you, you go into this, you're not really sure – what does it look like? Like, we're in March, April, May, when this is all getting going. Um, we didn't really have any idea, you know. And then as you start figuring out, okay, this might be a little bit longer, you start realizing, okay, well, we can touch uh, different places, different people in ways that we never could before. And so I think you start getting... Uh, fairly strategic and, and putting together a little bit of a presentation to be able to have uh, you know parents and grandparents or aunts and uncles see what we've got going. I think what's really tough is it doesn't allow, from our perspective, what sells this place is this community, the people, uh, the passion that exists here. And so I think sometimes uh, it's hard to convey that. Uh, but I also don't think that it, it changes because, you know, the, the, the student athletes aren't making decisions without really having seen anything for the most part um, or having an idea of what this place is. So I think in some ways it allows you an avenue to maybe, like I said, be, be strategic and not have to go out in April, um, you know, and do home visits or go in September potentially and go do home visits. You could probably can could do them right, right here. But I think when it comes to... Um, them coming to see us that will never uh be able to uh to be found something in place of that, so I think uh in some ways we're we're trying to be creative uh but I think you know and just do it different give it a different avenue um but i but I think that uh you know it, it, it's cutting edge a little bit and we're, we're 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 trying to figure it out so um you know but like i said I think missoula sells itself um and, and once they come to campus and they meet the people and they go downtown and they get to, to go to the depot. So, um, you know, hope we're looking forward to those times where we can bring bring people and give that experience.
0: When you're making a recruiting pitch, then how do you replace those sort of things? Because the spirit of Missoula, the energy of Missoula, the atmosphere of Missoula is the number one selling point for I mean, pretty much every college student, let alone athlete. So, I mean, is there a way to replicate it or what do you pivot to when you're trying to convince people? And so, guys, on the University of Montana, <laughs> you link them to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right well, I
2: there. think that part part of it is is like you know we've obviously hit California hard, and we have the Northwest, Montana. And I think that one of the advantages of of going to home base and recruiting from where you've recruited from is that you already have a little bit of that reputation, um, and they can talk to their friends, or they can talk to guys that they know that are currently here or have experienced it. So, I think from that standpoint. That's powerful. I think you can try to be creative with the different things that you do in terms of showing video of games and uh, the energy and the excitement and different things. But I think the, the main questions that people always have, this is not the, the sellers could, you know, what's it like here, right? Like people, you know, if you, if you look at our roster right now and there's a lot of California kids, okay, well, what is it like for them? And they've got to be here and experience it and um, and touch it and feel it and smell it. So I think that's, Part of it that we try to get creative with, uh, with giving them that experience while they're not here, and then we're also still saying, okay, well, <laughs> you know, w- w- what can we show you from a from a protocol standpoint? Can we can we walk you around campus and show you the facilities on FaceTime? Can we do different things? But nothing really comes in place when you make that big of a decision as a student athlete to say, I'm going to go spend four to five years of my life somewhere. It's hard to make that call without having. Gone and seen it and, and experienced it. So sometimes with the transfers, it's a little bit easier because they there's a level of, of security that I think that they have that they've already been in school and, and whatnot. But um, but yeah, I think that uh, you know it's tough. You got to be creative and, and you got to try to uh, use your resources in the places, the people that you know, um, you know, the coaches, the the former players, the current players that, that kind of can can tie you in with some of these kids that we're talking to.
0: The players are obviously the key element here, but I think an underrated element of recruiting, especially in college basketball, men's college basketball particularly, is the parents. How do you sell the parents? Especially when guys, I mean, because Montana is such a kind of an outpost, right? There's a lot of times where you guys are recruiting guys. Not only have the kids never been here, their parent, their parents have probably never been to Missoula either. How do you sell the parents?
2: Well, and, that, and that's the big thing. And that's why I say like they've got to come and experience and see where they're sons are going to school they gonna, where they're going to, where they're going to, are they safe? You know, what's the living like? Where do they live? How far away are they? Um, you know, the, que- you know, all the questions that come up, I think that's the bigger thing. I think that you can, you can find different ways for student athletes to watch video and get to the glitz of saying, okay, I'm going to play in front of 7,500 people. Um, I, I see the champion center and, and wow, Oh my gosh. You know, and, and, and whatnot. But I think the part of where do I live um, how safe is it? Uh, what's the setup? Is you know, as far as academics and, and different things. So I think that all the things that typically you have that go on during an official visit and the forty-eight hours that they're with us, that's hard to replicate, you know. And and so I think. And now part of it is the relationship, right? They're they're entrusting us uh, as coaches and mentors uh, to to take care of them, um, and and you can do that with phone calls and Zooms and texts and different things. Um, but I think that there there's nothing uh that that can replicate coming and, and feeling it and seeing it and that and like I said the, the, the thing that's special about Missoula is the people and uh and, and I think that's the one thing that people always leave here with is that I, I did not expect that, and I, I'm blown away by how much people care and the passion and the sense of community. And so that's what we uh, I think miss. And I think hopefully at some point we'll get back. And I, I don't know if kids will really be making a ton of decisions without having seen that. So I don't think we'll miss on that as much. But we're we're trying to be creative as, as much as possible um, with it. So
3: at Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running. From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, we evaluate your current state infrastructure and deploy the right technology solution for your future. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash business to learn more.
1: Chris Cobb joining us. He's the uh, associate head coach at the University of Montana Men's basketball team. Uh, obviously coach the big news of the day today is that Timmy Falls is stepping away from the program. We realize that's a, you know personal decision on his you know side so we're not going to get into that but from a basketball standpoint you guys First of all have have a lot of players with a G next to their name that are perimeter guys. We know that that's, you know, a big emphasis and has been for the way that this program has been built since you and uh, and and coach DeCure took over. When you look at this group now that's remaining, particularly at the guard position, seems like there's a lot of individual talent, a lot of guys who have a lot of high expectations but almost nobody that's actually played basketball together. Josh Vasquez has certainly seen some minutes, but what do you see, like, what, what sort of expectation and, but also maybe some anxiety or certainly questions about that group now with the new sort of look and the people who are available to you? Yeah, I
2: think that's always the great trick. And I think we, we've, you know, I've, now coach college basketball for 12 years and and then you factor in my four-year playing career i think it used to be you would get guys uh and they'd show up to campus you say okay i got four years i'm gonna put the roster on the whiteboard i'm gonna throw it up okay now okay as he goes i need to fill in here we fill in there and i think in some ways the days of that are done when you start seeing Twelve hundred kids transfer, um, and the rosters change and, and different things. And so I think, uh, we really have to be as coaches aware of that. And as we build rosters, we build with depth. And I think, uh, in some years we, we've had better depth than others. Um, and I think as you start seeing, you know guys leave or guys come it it it's really just comes down to uh, having depth because you you it's hard it's harder now to say okay, we're going to look three, four years in advance, which we do. And and, uh, and I think we we always talk about we're trying to make it so that the guys never leave our program, that they they have such a, a powerful experience and such a really good experience that they don't want to leave. But sometimes there are uh, circumstances that arise. That it might be playing time. It might be personal. It might be whatever, that, that they do leave our program. And it's really our job to make sure that we're able to fill in some of those holes and some of those gaps and, um and I think we feel really good about uh, the overall quality of talent and depth across the board. You know, the four uh, incoming freshmen that we're bringing in, uh, I think are, are as good as any class we've brought in here. Um, the three freshmen that played last year are getting better, and then you start seeing some of the, the new bodies that are over in the gym working out and some of the things that they'll add and some of the transfers. Um, I think it's exciting. I think we'll have as much depth as we've had, um, on any year that we've been here, in my opinion, in the six years that that, that coach and, and I have been here,
0: let's talk a little more about those freshmen because I know we've uh, loosely touched touched base on it. But but now that it's all kind of said and done, we you know the four guys that are going to be coming to campus uh, in short order. I guess first of all, have you guys you guys have not reported yet though, right, Coach? Yeah, we've
2: got uh, we've got a group here. Um, we've got a group here, and so it's not the whole roster yet. We're still trying to. Work through, through some uh, some protocol stuff and how we're going to do things, but we've had workouts and uh, have a, a majority of the guys here uh, to be able to do some some things. So uh, we're still waiting on, on the Australians uh, to get over here um, and then work through some of the things that you know getting into the country um, right now. But um, but yeah, no. So we're we have a majority of the guys here right now and working through some, kind of how we're going to do workouts and how we're going to structure all of the, everyone coming back and, and getting going.
0: But well, this is an interesting dynamic, Josh Bannon and, and Hunter Clark coming over from Australia. That's going to be, uh, I'm sure, a challenging situation to get them to come from halfway across the world given the situation that we're at. But let's talk about the other two guys because I really like these two guards they're bringing in from Southern California. Robbie Beasley out of Dublin, high school in Dublin, California, and Brandon Whitney out of Bishop Alamena uh, in Mission Hills, California. Give us a scout on these two guys. From what I've been able to watch on film, they look like incredibly competitive, athletic, and explosive guys. Uh, what what sort of talent do you think they bring to the mix?
2: Well, you know, I think everything that you just said, um, I think the one thing that we've and it, it's taken us you know, now you've you know, I've been here six years, you know, going on seven, it, it's we, I think there's a blueprint of what we've taken that has worked um, and and I think you start looking at uh, really competitive kids um, kids from really good high school programs and I think most importantly guys that are used to winning and expect to win um, and so for us those two guys fit that mold as good as anybody um, and so I think that you're gonna see you know I think a level of athleticism, um, talent, uh, all those things that we've had with the Michael Guinness and the Ahmad Rory's and, and those guys. But I think you're, you're also going to see that they're going to have a, a, a level of confidence and expectation. They're coming here because uh, they expect to win, you know, and they want to be a part of that, and they're excited to be a part of that. I think they're going to be uh, ferocious competitors, um, and I think they'll be a lot of fun to watch.
1: When it, you, you you mentioned that you know you kind of have reported at least as much as you're able, and you're trying to work through the structure of how workouts are going to look, gym time is going to look. Can you can you give us some insight onto what you're able to do on the floor, if anything? Is it all just individual? Is it is it staggered in shifts? Can you do anything? You know, as I know you can't play a game or whatever, but like with a, with multiple guys in the same room at the same time, like how is that looking right now?
2: Yeah, and I, I think it's day to day, hour to hour. To be honest with you, I would say the one thing that you get is, is Trav is uh, is very aware of the situation, and and um, and I think in some ways for us as a staff, like as human beings, we we're all uh, very aware of what's going on, just from the standpoint of we got young kids at home, you know, and so uh, I think we want to be safe for for our families, we want to be safe for our, our student athletes, we want to. Uh, make sure that we're following protocols and different things. I don't think there's a ton right now as far as what the NCAA is telling us you can and can't do. Um, so I think we've got a great uh, staff and administration over there that's working through things as they come out, right, because it's day-to-day as far as what you hear and, and what uh, is acceptable and, and, and some different things uh pieces of knowledge of this virus that, that kind of can change in a, the span of an hour, so um, we've been I think really good about it as we bring these guys back, they have living quarters uh guys they live with um and and I think we've been really aware in in terms of uh you know who they shoot with who they work out with they're sitting, they're only working out uh in the groups or the pods that they live with right now um and then we're gonna kind of slowly go and see how. Um, see how this thing uh, unfolds. And I, I think in some ways we want our guys to be healthy mentally and physically and, and stay in shape and see other people um, and get out and work out a little bit as much as they can in a safe environment. Um, but then, you know, also make sure that we're uh, doing our part in this community um, to, to make sure that we're staying safe in the community and on the campus community and, and we're doing things the right way. So, you know, I think we're working hard to try to do as much as within within the framework of, of kind of where the world's at right now.
0: The mental element is the most fascinating part because as, as we know, I mean, th- this stuff makes my head hurt and, I, and I'm 33 years old. I can't imagine what this would be like if I was a 19-year-old who was already experiencing you know, a, a really different experience living in Missoula, Montana, maybe if you're from you know, Southern California or Western Washington or wherever you might be from. So, I mean, how challenging is that, trying to support your guys? I mean, uh, on the football element, so many of the guys are from Montana, so they can at least be close to home or even go home, but it's probably a precarious situation to be coming and going from where most of your players are from. So, I mean, how do you give them that, that support mentally and, and how are the guys doing just in general?
2: Yeah, I think they're doing really good. I think these guys are really resilient, you know, like I always – i I'm always reminded of how resilient they are when I slept two hours after we lose to Southern Utah and I show up the next day and Kyle Owens is looking at me with a smile like, let's go, you know, and I'm like, oh, geez, man, I, I just slept two hours. What, what, what's going on? But <laughs> I think from, from, from their standpoint uh, – you know, I think that they, they've done a good job, and we've had so many meetings and different uh, talks and Zoom meetings about what's going on and, and what we can do. And I think partially from for a lot of them coming from out of the area, coming back into this community, there's a level of uh, accountability and, and um, responsibility that they have coming back to make sure that, uh, that we're safe and, and, and doing the right things. And, um, you know, they have to be reminded from time to time they're 18, 19, 20 years old. Um, uh, but I think the biggest thing, uh, is that, you know, they've been able to get out and do what they love, you know, and be around their best friends and, um, and, and, in a little bit different environment than they typically are this, this time of year. Um, but we've been able to get out and shoot and, and work out just a little bit. And uh, I think for, for them, you can see when they get in the gym, um, there's a level of excitement, you know. I mean, in some ways for us as coaches, when we get in the gym, and we, uh, we're not doing it the same way that we've done uh, in the past. But uh, there's, you know, you get, you get goosebumps getting back out there and being able to, to interact with other people and coach a little bit and, um, and, and talk through some things. So it's been good the last week.
1: Chris Cobb joining us the ESPN roundtable presented by Paradise Falls. He's associate head coach of the University of Montana men's basketball team. And uh, coach, I want to uh, just you know put the blinders on and say we, let's we're going to have a full basketball season. And it's just going to go okay. That's what we're going to do in the event that that happens. What I want to know is this right now, and I know it's so early. You haven't even gotten on the floor hardly with your guys and all that. But when you look at this group, the players that you got, the the, the transfers and all that kind of stuff. What is your biggest – what makes you most excited? Where do you think you have a chance to be really, really good? And what is the biggest question mark that you have about this club right now?
2: That's a good question. Um, I think the biggest thing that we're excited about is the depth. I think that we really feel good about uh, the entire roster – and, and the group that we've put together. And and I think um, there's years where you look up and you, you you could say, okay, we can go eight, nine deep, ten deep. And I think in this type of an environment, and you've seen it a little bit in baseball, right, recently here, where, right. like, guy may fall out, guy may go. That is uh, a huge key, you know, right? right. Like, right. you we might need to go to 10, 11, 12, who knows, right? Um, and so I think that I, we feel really, really good about the talent. I think we feel really good about just the general makeup of this group. Um, I think we're young, but I think that the, the youth – like I said a little bit about the, the two freshmen that the culture brought up uh they expect to win and so I think that we, we could be young. we were young last year uh, we were right there in the thick of things at the end of the deal um and so I think that I like just the general makeup of this group I think it's a hungry group I think Michael Stedman uh being an older guy that's been here is hungry to uh to to have success and To have an imprint on this program in one year, I think you're going to see um, everybody that was here last year that's returning, um, you know, ready to go. So I think the general makeup is is what's exciting about this group. I think the one part that that makes me wonder is how do we adjust, right? Like we've already uh, at this point almost in August – We've put in, um, and I think Trav and I together and Jay now and and, and Zach even being with us and knowing us for a while, we have a rhythm of what we've put in and how we've put it in and we've installed offense and defense and how that's all worked. Um, I think we're going to be thrown off a little bit with that. So how we adjust and, and keep it as simple as possible but still trying to make sure they're prepared uh, once we do roll around, and hopefully in November, um, how do we do that? And I think in some ways that can also be an advantage to us because I think uh, if we can prepare our guys the best, it's going to be a year where if you can prepare your guys the best, um, and I don't want to say like the quickest, right? Like it, the earliest as possible, um, then then you'll be uh, you'll be that much further along, you know. And so I think as we're we're a program that I think if you guys watch us and you know. Uh, you know, it, it's big on what we do offensively, defensively in terms of rhythm and system and knowing what's going on. And in some ways it's why we struggled so much early on last year was we were accounting sometimes for, you know, three freshmen beyond the floor against Montana Tech, you know, and we looked over and we're like, man, we're we're just not ready right now. But we'll be ready by January, February, March. Um, and I don't think we ever doubted that, but we just weren't as far along, far along as we needed to be. And so I think that as coaches, you have to be able to adjust and Put things in and teats and, uh, and really it really doesn't matter what we know. It's, it's what they could do in a forty-minute basketball game. So we're going to have to be able to figure out those things and and get this team prepared in kind of a weird climate in a weird year.
0: Well, speaking of returning to normalcy, the NBA back tomorrow. Full, two game, two games go. tomorrow. Full slate here of games go. on Friday. So a two-part question, coach. First of all, Golden State Warriors, Yeah, I know you're very Bay guy. Golden <laughs> State Warriors are far from the playoffs. They're not in the bubble in Orlando. So I got two questions for you. One, who's your favorite to win the NBA championship? And two, on a serious note, will you encourage your guys to watch the games? Because I mean, I feel like it could be a nice release for them to actually just be able to watch some hoops.
2: Oh, it's, it's, it's so nice. Like I sat here today I watched the, you know, you watched the Oakland A's. I watched, I'm a big A's fan. So I watched the Oakland A's and I I sit there and I'm like, man, this is, this feels good. Right. So I don't think we're going to have to tell our guys to watch NBA basketball. I think they've all been watching these, these restart games, um, pretty intently. Like we're talking restart basketball. Like we're talking game three of the finals, you know, like it's <laughs> like we're dissecting every, every play, you know, Slow watch the office, and he's like, "Man, just okay, this Vincent do this and that." And in some ways, when we get to watch, is uh, is a bonus because I'm we're chasing little kids around, so like now I can get on the screen for five straight minutes. It's 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 a it's a win. But um, but yeah, no, I I think LeBron gets it done. I would tell you that. I think the Clippers also are are pretty good. Um, I'd go one of the two, LA. Uh, you know, teams to, to probably get it done. But I I think the Lakers, I like LeBron's good. I I probably, I probably got to go there. Um, if, if I'm betting money, right? Then I can't bet money. But if I'm betting money, then I gotta, I gotta go there
1: probably. Uh, great promo tomorrow night, six thirty p.m. ESPN Radio, Lakers Clippers, boys and girls, game two of the restart, <laughs> right here on ESPN Radio. We will have it for you. Uh, a preview of the Western Conference Finals uh, by basketball savant Chris Cobb, coach. Yeah, there you go. Appreciate you being with us, man. Uh, We know that, you know, the more things change, the more things are still sort of in flux and ambiguous, but we appreciate you taking the time out and helping us out at least where we're at on the 29th of July of 2020 uh, from a basketball standpoint. All right, we'll catch up with you again soon. Appreciate it, guys.
2: Stay positive. We, We all appreciate what you do in this community, so keep it rolling.
1: Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much, uh, Chris Cobb, associate head coach of the University of Montana men's basketball team. Always fun to, to catch up with Coach Cobb, and uh, you know he's 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 been the guy. You know he came on; he was assistant coach with with Travis DeCure when when he arrived, and you know at some point, maybe what, maybe three years ago, four years ago, became the associate head coach right. as such. Uh, but he has been. You know, the right hand man for the entire run of this University of Montana, uh, you know, team and I know that Travis Secure gets a ton of credit, which he absolutely deserves every bit of it. Chris Cobb deserves a ton of credit too, man. He it's it's not often that you get a guy who will stick with you for that long and sure. sit in that seat next to you and and like you said look we're in a rhythm and we know how to put in you know install an offense install a defense how to do that now it's all getting thrown off but it uh, i think a lot of teams when it's normal don't have that because of the fluctuation that you get in in staff so that's uh it's a big deal
0: No question, and when you are a a dominant personality like Travis Takir, you need to have a a right-hand man like Chris Cobb as well. I mean, I think they complement each other tremendously. I think the one thing that maybe uh, fans don't realize as well, Travis Takir gets a ton of credit for uh, everything that Montana does in terms of the X's and O's and everything like that, and I think people really consider Coach Takir's style and system and program to be based on discipline and defense. And But the last several years, although the principles stem from the top guy no question i mean chris cobb is essentially like the defensive coordinator mm. for the montana grizzlies i mean he's the one that's scheming it up getting scouts saying here's what we're going to do defensively and so he deserves a ton of credit too for the way that they have be able to lock for people up going and, on the floor yeah. yeah i mean 70 wins the last three years that's a pretty good run for montana and uh, uh what is it now four 20 win seasons in the five complete years that they had and they probably would have flirted with 20 wins again last year too so it might have been five out of six so uh already establishing themselves with one of the great resumes in the history of University of Montana men's basketball team, and that's a program steeped in tradition, as we know.
1: Certainly. Uh, well, we appreciate him being with, being with us. It is the ESPN Roundtable. It is presented by Paradise Falls, and go to Paradise Falls there on the south end of Missoula near the intersection between Brooks and Reserve Street. Great spot, especially during this time, to go have Bre- and whatever you want breakfast lunch and dinner they're open early they're open late you can get it anytime you want it over at paradise falls 18 rotating beer tab handles and thank you very much one of the nicest patio experiences i've had with the coverage and some misting going on it is spectacular you want to sit outside
0: a family restaurant that doubles as a sports bar that also has breakfast and two happy hours Doesn't really get any better than that. I mean, jeez. No no matter what you're in the mood for, Paradise Falls has what you want. Open 7 a.m. to midnight, Paradise Falls offers breakfast, lunch, and dinner, while also serving half-price appetizers during their late happy hour, which runs from 9 until 11 p.m. Sunday through Thursday. The casino's open, the machines are hot, and Paradise Falls still has a standard happy hour every Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 as well. Located at 3621 Brook Street in Missoula, Paradise Falls, Missoula's coolest hotspot.
1: Boys and girls, let's do a wing it Wednesday. Give us a call, 361-3688, 361-3688. You want wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern? Coulter's got questions. You and I, we got the answers. 361-3688. Call right now. We'll get you wings to the Desperado next. Coulter, during this time where we got to be a little bit socially distanced, it's nice to know we can get out on the links and play a little bit of golf. And nobody better than Western Birch Back to TeleNuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Hope you are well. Thanks for rolling with us. We appreciate it very much. It is a Wednesday, boys and girls. And one thing we like to do around here when it's a Wednesday is give stuff away. And today, it's wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern. We go to the phones. We welcome in Kevin to the show. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Hey, how's it going? I'm doing good. How are you guys? We are excellent. Thank you for asking. Kevin, here's the deal. My friend Coulter here, he's got questions for you about sacks. Do you like football, Kevin? I love football. Okay. So he's got some sack questions for you. Sack is when a defensive player tackles the quarterback with the ball behind the line of scrimmage. Okay? Just so we're clear on what we're speaking about, I realize that it's synonymous with a number of other, uh, you know, terms. There's not not synonyms. What do they call it when it's the same word? Is it a
0: homonym? (laughs) Synonym. You had it right.
1: No, no. A synonym is a different word that means the same thing. Oh, sure.
2: The sacks,
1: you can use sacks a lot of different ways. I wanted to clarify which sack we're talking Uh, about. Is it
0: a palindrome?
1: (laughs) 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 Uh, Kevin, here's the deal, my man. Colt is going to ask you three questions. If you get two of them right, you got yourself wings to the desperado. Oh, that will be wonderful. They get some wings to the desperado. Uh, If you get all three, you got yourself a shirt as well. If you need help on any of these, I am a lifeline for you on one of them, okay? Okay. All right. Boy, some chicken wings have really hit the spot.
2: Tell me likey. Tell me want wingy.
1: Colter, Kevin want wingy. Let's see what we can do. Here we go. Question number one. All
0: right, Kevin. Number one. Sacks officially became an NFL statistic in 1982. Since 1982... On 12 different occasions, a player has registered 20 or more sacks in an individual single NFL season. 12 times it's happened, 11 players have done it. Give me one player who has racked up 20 or more sacks in a single NFL season. Oh. 11 players, you said? have 11 done it? different players.
1: Yep. Hmm. And so presumably somebody did it twice because there's t- it happened 12 times. And there's one, one player. player
0: who did it twice.
1: Okay, all right, I got you. Just trying to get the math to work out. For here.
0: some reason,
2: I have a couple guesses, but I don't know how confident I am on that.
0: Well, For I bet you reason, your guesses I'm are pretty good. Thinking- I mean, most of the great pass rushers in NFL history are on this list. Okay. All right. Well, my, my main man, I think, is going to be uh, Reggie White. Reggie White is correct. Reggie White okay. led the league in sacks in back-to-back years 1987 and 1988. 21 sacks, a career high for Reggie White with nice. the Philadelphia Eagles in 1987.
1: Very good. Okay. We'll come back. We'll talk more about that uh, uh, culture at the end here. But very
0: good, Kevin. You're one out of one. Here we go down to question number two. All right. Number two. No player has ever, this is an amazing stat, I was shocked by this. No player in NFL history has ever led the league in sacks more than twice. There's never been a guy that's led the league in sacks three times. There has been six different players that have led the league in sacks twice, including four this century and three in the last nine years. Give me one guy who's led the league in sacks twice. Huh, man. Well, I'm thinking you just told me the answer to that. The same guy,
1: right? Well, Reggie, but that's before, right? That's going to no. be, is that in the, that's in this century? That's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: oh, in okay. the. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, I, I'm just White. looking for
1: some guy, a guy we're that's done it. Period. I'm
2: gonna take the given what you gave to me already. I think
1: you I, already told me that. I mean, you. you see, <laughs> I was say to you, not everybody pays attention to some of the crumbs that are left that's for right. future that's right. questions. So you deserve a ton of credit right there. That's for right. Getting a gimme on the Reggie White answer.
0: I always yeah. give clues within the question, and no one ever takes them. You are right, Kevin. Reggie White also. Two times, led the league in sacks. You're two for two. You still got a lifeline. Let's get you shot. Right.
1: Kevin's got wings to the desperado. Let's get him something to wear. All right, here we go. All right,
0: number three. This is a college football sacks question now, okay? This former Louisville All-American who went on to be a star for the Denver Broncos and the Baltimore Ravens and also had one of the craziest contract situations in the history of the NFL, he is the only player in college football history to have 20 sacks in a single season. This happened at Louisville in 2005. Name that former Louisville defensive end who's the only college football player with 20 sacks in mm. a single season. Uh, I think I'm going to go to my lifeline on this. I, I think um, I'm, I'm not a
1: huge Louisville football fan. Um, um. I I'm not either uh, but I think that it is Elvis Doomerville is, is the first name that comes to my mind and uh, the, Elvis definitely played for the Broncos. I believe he played for the uh, uh, Ravens as well because a fax couldn't get sent in in time uh, he was I did not know that he had 20 sacks at, at, in college. I didn't recall that at all, but uh, I would go with Elvis Doomerville. That sounds good to me. I'm gonna go with that, Ryan. I appreciate the help. That's uh, uh let's go Well with, don't uh, don't thank me yet because I don't know for a fact well, I probably right. I feel I feel well as long
2: as you know he played for the Broncos and the Ravens, I think we can't go wrong
0: there. Yeah, well I hope I, I hope that's correct. <laughs> All right. Well Elvis Dumerville is correct.
1: All right Kevin All right. gets himself <laughs> some
0: wings and a shirt.
1: Uh yeah, awesome. I did well, not I appreciate know the help. I did not know the Louisville part of that uh, at all, but the uh, crazy contract situation was helpful when the Broncos signed seal, delivered a new contract with Elvis Doomerville. They took it down to the last minute, sent the facts in and the facts did not make it in time. Like they didn't, they didn't beat the clock on their facts to keep Elvis Doomerville, So he became an unrestricted free agent, even though the paperwork was finished and the Baltimore Ravens picked him up. How about that? How do you okay, like that? Okay, I remember that? that story. I just wouldn't have been able to remember the name. So yeah, I appreciate so the help. you got it. Hey, but you, you got Reggie White twice for Wings to the Desperado. You got yourself <laughs> a shirt as well. That's the way you do it. That's how you make it happen there, helping yourself, Kevin. Give your information to uh, Reese there in the back, and we will get all that stuff sent out to you, okay? All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Go, Cat. You got it. Oh, look at that. Just where,
0: where, wear where wear your end. helmet when you ride your motorcycle, Kevin, oh and be boy. safe this okay, summer. Okay, there you go. <laughs>
1: you. Um, Coulter, uh okay, so eleven guys have had twenty sacks or more in the
0: NFL. We got Reggie White. Uh Michael Strahan. Michael Strahan right? is one. He is also the filler of that other answer. Uh they multiple time leader. He led the league in sacks twice. Uh it, Bruce Smith, he's got to have had. Bruce Smith sacks never led the league in sacks. But did he have 20 ever? No. Ooh, that's actually an interesting question. Okay, so I, my, my answer might be slightly skewed because I, I actually did not research guys that had. I did not look at a list to see if back. a guy had 20 sacks and didn't lead the league. I just looked at oh, league leaders. Oh, okay. So okay. there might there actually that actually might there might come with okay. a caveat. But Kevin okay. went three for three, so we now, no excuses. has. has has Aaron Donald led the league in Aaron, sacks? Aaron Donald led the league in sacks two years ago and also as one of the 20-sack figures. I mean, that figures. is bizarre. Uh, Cole- Bruce Smith's season high for sacks was 19 in 1990. He also had 18 in 1989, 15 in 1986. Man. J.J. Uh, Watt? J.J. Watt's led the league in sacks twice, including a career-high 20.5 sacks in 2012.
1: I'm going to go a little outside, but... Did Jason Pierre-Paul ever get that? JPP gun? did
0: not. Okay. Neither one.
1: Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, there's gonna, these are all. So, so you, be got, you, obvious got, you days,
0: got Reggie White, you got yeah, Michael Strahan, yeah. you got J.J. Watt. Yeah. So there's there's and uh, I got Aaron Donald. You got I Aaron. You got Aaron Mack, Donald. Has he gotten to twenty yet? He has not. Okay. I don't know. Go ahead. Give run run him down. So one of the six men to lead the league in sacks twice, a guy that gets forgotten about, and I don't know why. During his peak, one of the biggest savages to ever play in the NFL, Mark Gastineau, mm. interior defensive lineman for the New York Jets. 1983, he had 19 sacks. 1984, he had 22 sacks, which is a record that stood for 19 seasons wow. before Michael Strahan broke it. Lawrence Taylor, sure, 20.5 sacks. Uh, that was his only 20-sack season, actually, surprisingly. And, Lawrence, this is amazing. This is how hard it is to lead the league in sacks. Lawrence Taylor only led the league in sacks once. Here's the thing, though. LT.
1: It was 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 a it was a freakish pass rusher, but that wasn't even. He, he was a true linebacker, right? Where right. you actually, I mean, there wasn't an edge as such. Well, sir, even though sure, he, sure, He was sure. an edge, but he's sure.
0: doing that from ten feet behind well, the line a, a, of scoops. And also, the, the, as soon as you get twenty sacks, what happened after that? You're going one-on-three for the rest of your life. Oh, everything, (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So, Lawrence Taylor, 20.5 sacks in 1986. Uh, Reggie White, who we mentioned, uh, 21 sacks in 1987. Derek Thomas, 20 sacks in 1990. Then it was a full 11 years before another 20-sack season when Michael Strahan set the NFL record, 22.5 sacks. Other 20-sack seasons include DeMarcus Ware, 2008. Mm,
1: DeMarcus Ware is a good one.
0: Jared Allen, almost broke... Strahan's record, missed it by half a sack in 2011. And Justin Houston also missed it by half a sack okay. in 2014. Guys that have led the league in sacks two years. Reggie White, who Kevin got. Mark Gassino, who you already mentioned. Kevin Green, another guy who doesn't get brought up enough, I think. Kevin Green is a ferocious player for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Strahan, DeMarcus Ware, Jared Allen, J.J. Watt. A
1: question on stats and what I think is the biggest lying stat in all of
3: sports. Next. At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running. From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, we evaluate your current state infrastructure and deploy the right technology solution for your future. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash business to learn more.
1: back. to tel Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Howdy. Happy Wednesday to you. Miss anything in the show? Look us up on our, uh, your favorite podcasting platform. to search the Two-Tel Nuanas podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate that. Brought to us by Alpine Touch and Blackfoot. Uh, Coulter, why or how this started, I don't know. But this is it's just so dumb it's beyond words and it is the real-time oh, win likelihood percentage of games
0: now the cubs are you preaching the choir here buddy the, i think that analytics and all that is about uh oh man I, I i can't even go down the road the cubs are
1: playing the the the, the, the reds today okay Kyle Hendricks is pitching for the Cubs, who was their opening day starter, who was absolutely had pitched a complete game shutout, opening day. I don't know who the Reds have gone, but the Reds have lost the last two to the Cubs. The Cubs are 4-1, and one, the Reds are 1-4. and four. I understand it's very early. I'm not saying the Cubs are even better than the Reds. The Reds are a good team, okay? This game's in Cincinnati. Who cares? There's no fans anyways. Chris Bryant grounded out. For the first out of a baseball game, it's 0-0, one out against the Cubs. At that moment, according to the the, the infinity madness that is ESPN's analytics, the Reds had a 69% chance of winning the baseball game. They have like a 65% chance of winning the game before the game began. Now, somebody explain that to me. Now, here we sit. It's the middle of the fifth inning. It's 2-0 Cincinnati. Okay, they're up a couple runs, middle of the baseball game. 85% chance of winning this game. Enough with these real-time percentages. They are absolutely asinine. I mean, this, this this is as dumb as it gets if you follow along and go, oh, well, okay, yeah, of course, you got a 9 out of 10 chance of winning. We're halfway through a two-run baseball game.
2: That was your Burn Street
1: Bistro Burn of the Week. And also enough with the designated hitter.
0: You're you're lame for that second take, but whatever. Every time I look at Ken Palm stats during college basketball season, I imagine asking Robin Selvig a Ken Palm question. My head explodes. See you tomorrow. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear